Annenberg Media. This is the Annenberg Learner Podcast, where we aim to elevate the education profession through conversations that inspire, recognize, and encourage innovation and best practices in the field. We track the lived experience of teachers, students, and parents alongside the ecosystem that serves them. Guest speakers will share what's working and the steps we can take to reimagine and redesign teaching and learning for our most vulnerable populations. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Annenberg Learner Podcast. With me today is Matthew Woods. Uh, Matthew Woods is a K-12 educator in Virginia. His professional experience includes being a high school history teacher, building and central office administrator, adjunct professor, and field instructor at the collegiate level for student teachers. Additionally, Matthew is the author of the children's book series, I Want to Be, host of the K-12 podcast, Leading Out the Woods, and recently released an online professional development course called Leading Out the Woods, Building Relationship in Collaboration with School Rubric. You can connect with Matthew on Twitter at Wood from a Woods or visit his website, www.leadingoutthewoods.com. Also, Matthew Woods was introduced to us through Annenberg Learner Partner Discovery Education. Matthew is a Den Star educator, which means he was selected and is recognized by Discovery Education for his deep knowledge of the platform and Discovery Education's digital offerings. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on here. I appreciate it. All right. Well, let's jump right in. Can you share with us what has been being a Den Star like for you and what is it exactly? Being a Den Star with Discovery Ed has been just a great experience. You know, you always hear the term time flies when you're having fun. So I believe it's been like about two, two and a half years now as I've been a Den Star. But it's just been great because it one, it provides an opportunity to connect with other amazing educators um, across the country. <laughs> and a lot of them, obviously, who are using Discovery Ed products and in in using in that format, but then also just collaboration, right? And being able to have thought partners out there to think about different strategies, to talk about different topics, and just know that you're not alone, right? Because a lot of times we can all get kind of stuck in our own silos. So it's good to have that type of support. Also, additionally, it's a great opportunity because I love how Discovery Ed you know, you talk about, for example, or you hear companies or products say, hey, we're making this for educators. We're making this for students. We're making this for this. And they actually take the opportunity to provide spaces where not only we can collaborate, but we can give them constructive criticism and honest feedback. So we'll get exposed to different things that they're getting ready to come out with. And they'll say, hey, from your perspective, how does this look? You know, does this make sense? Mm. How would you adapt it to your day-to-day roles and positions? What are the things that don't work about? What are the things you don't like about it? Please be transparent with us. And I love that honesty and that openness to get that, that kind of feedback. Those are the two biggies that really kind of come to mind. And it's helped me because it makes me kind of think about when we have different initiatives going on or we're doing different things, how are we structuring in a way to get feedback and get that constructive criticism and then use it in a way to, to grow, right? To develop and to build. Great. Thank you. I recently read 
something about how ed tech companies often at the foundation aren't using like research-based practices or sometimes even uh, involving teachers in reviewing product before it gets released. So it's great to hear that Discovery Education does that and that you've been involved in this process. You mentioned uh, they create spaces for uh, collaboration and feedback. What does that look like? Is that happening virtually, in person? Did that change in the last two to three years because of the pandemic? A lot of it has been virtually. And when I became a DIN star was right here in the middle of COVID. A lot of it just started off the the get-go being virtual. Now it's, you know, different provisions and different safety measures are being put in place all across the country. There now there's the opportunities are starting to open up for folks to kind of connect at different conferences and so forth. Even just the way they structure it virtually. You know, I think a lot of times folks automatically have the stigma up. Oh, we're hopping on a Zoom call up. Oh, we're hopping on <laughs> the Google Google Meet. Right. You can do it in a fashion that is very engaging. And I have to tip my hat to them because. They are really masterminds. They do it in such a way. It is extremely valuable. And the flexibility doing it that way allows to have all the different educators, like I said, across the country, who are on different Mm -hmm. time zones, who are, are different places and spaces in their lives. Another thing that you pointed out was the ability to collaborate and meet people across the country. When I think of teaching, that's not what comes to mind, right? I I think of a person in the classroom that doesn't really interact too much and maybe with their department or grade level teams. How valuable is that for you in your roles, either at the school level or in the other work that you do? It's it's extremely valuable because it's hard when you tell people to think outside the box, but they're trapped in the box. You know, it's hard to tell somebody, hey, you could do this differently if you have no frame of reference. It becomes easier when you can say, hey, we might not do it this way or it might take some work to get it this way. But look, you can't tell me it's not possible because I've seen it and I'm talking to someone who's doing it right here or we can use it to measure how far we've come. Mm-hmm. on something compared to someone who's starting on it. So it, it gives you a good starting, middle, and end point per se. It's interesting a lot of times when we all in education have some of the same issues that we're going through, mm-hmm. but just hearing the different perspectives, but then get dig into the root cause. Like, so why is that perspective different for that person? Oh, okay. It's because they're at this place. Oh, it's because maybe they're in a rural, not an urban area. Oh, it's because maybe they have these additional resources that we don't have or vice versa. And, you you know, then you could start to really kind of unpack how can we all make that positive growth and that change to accomplish whatever the goal or the objective is that we're trying to do. You can subscribe to the Annenberg Learner podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Great. Yes. Thank you. Context. I think you get a sense of, you know, what their context is. That takes me to my next question. How have you seen discovery education used in the classroom and school buildings, either at your sites or across the country? I got a good in-depth view of it per se. When I was principal, you know, our school at the time was working with discovery ed and I got to, when I say see it firsthand, obviously, because, you know, I, I was, interacting with it. My, my staff was interacting with it. My students were interacting with it. And 
one of the things that I tell folks the story all the time that really stuck out to me was when they did their initial pitch, right? So, you know, they show mm-hmm. up, got mm-hmm. the really nice slides, they got all the cool, you know, I think we all know you go to a professional development or somebody's coming in to talk to you and they give you out the cool pens, all the free, you know, the freebies, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm just reading the body language of my staff. And I could tell, hey, this isn't clicking because in the back of our minds, we were focused on literacy. Like we needed to improve literacy. And I was like, hey, this is great, but I don't see the connection. And I could tell my staff don't see the connection. So I remember being very transparent and they were very transparent. That's what was beautiful about it. They're like, hey, I don't think this was connected with folks. I said, well, now that you say that, let's just open the floodgates. And we had an amazing conversation where it was extremely authentic. And I said, hey, listen, I love what you're doing. I'm a firm believer in organized chaos. I'm a firm believer <laughs> in seeing students move around and modeling and being active and hands-on. So everything you're saying, I'm right there with you. The problem is everybody knows that literacy is at the forefront right now. And I said, the fact that people don't see that alignment is where you're going to get heartburn and where it's going to be a struggle. And I remember they were like, well, well, Mr. Woods, this, this does align with literacy. Believe it or not, here are the things and how and how it cross, you know, the cross-curricular activities and so forth. So then we came back to the table and they spoke to the staff, and then it was like light bulb went off. And you would see what they were doing in their class and how they were modeling things. So it was it was great seeing not only just how their resources. We're helping to improve instruction, but most importantly, engagement and collaboration. And I thought that was just powerful, just seeing it firsthand, how these resources have really kind of helped prove and elevate instruction. As part of its mission to advance excellent teaching in American schools, Annenberg Learner funds and distributes educational video programs with coordinated online and print materials for the professional development of K-12 teachers. Many programs are also intended for students in the classroom and viewers at home with videos that exemplify excellent teaching. K-12 educators, students, and lifelong learners may access Annenberg Learner resources for free at learner.org. Please note, rights restrictions may limit the availability of some series. For the latest information about learner programming and availability, sign up for the Annenberg Learner Newsletter at learner.org. A couple questions. What grade level school site were you at the principal at and which subjects is Discovery Education used on your site? Yeah, it was a middle school, so grades six through eight. And I was seeing it everywhere. We all know kids, you know, some kids are at different levels and how they want to do some. Same thing with teachers, right? So Mm -hmm. some teachers had a natural affinity for it and they started like, oh, I can embed this here and I can do this and I can do this. Others, they were kind of, you know, apprehensive on it. And the apprehension that I started realizing was just how to properly make it accessible. Like I need to feel comfortable with it before I want to start modeling it, right? In turn, there became a lot of investment in that professional development. I like to use the term, I'm going to understand like I know the back of my hand, like making sure that 
it becomes so automatic to me that when I'm talking to somebody, or in this case, I'm teaching students, right? And modeling it, I'm not reading a script. I don't need to say, okay, where do I go on the website to do that? What resources do I need to pull? I already have it rocking and rolling, and it just becomes just another tool in my toolbox. Uh, and I love that we're talking about this professional development, because I think you're recently released a course on it. Can you share a little bit about that and your viewpoint on how to best train folks in the field? The course in collaboration with School Rubric, we called it Leading Out the Woods, you know, based on a lot of the work that I do, but it's, but it's emphasis is building relationships. Mm-hmm. And building relationships in a way that it's not tangible. When you say building relationships, are you including everybody? It's easy for me to build relationships with people I have a natural affinity to. So it's easy for me to say, you know what? I play basketball. So I walk in a room. Okay. You play basketball. Okay. Right there. We strike up a conversation. Voila. Um, It's different. If you come in the room and say, no, I don't play basketball. Was I play hockey? Okay, I don't really know much about <laughs> hockey. So right there, what is happening where we're not building up those silos, right? And I think if we're all being transparent, we see that in education all the time. Mm-hmm. You see students have a natural affinity for teachers that they, they feel some type of connection to. You see teachers and educators develop relationships really easy with kids they have a natural affinity for, right? So what about the ones where the barriers are there? What about the ones where the relationships are sour? What about the ones where data, historical data shows us we do not do a good job of building those relationships? Not a, not a, this is a, what Matt thinks is the best or anyone else. Nope. We have data that supports these groups of students historically through our schools anywhere, mm-hmm. usually feel more marginalized, usually feel like they don't have a connection. And what do we know? Without that foundation of a relationship, the chances of them being successful in schools starts to dip. Okay, so what happens when that starts to dip? Then their achievement scores start to dip. Their level of engagement starts to dip. Ooh, their behaviors start to increase because they don't want to be there with us the likelihood or the increase of them dropping out of school starts to increase. So the data is always there supporting that. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to relationships, right? So Mm -hmm. even though this isn't, you know, this isn't the actual module, I'll tell you just a, a small clip. For all the listeners out there, I want you to think about who your favorite educator was. That you had either, you know, elementary, middle, high school, some folks, college, whatever it is, your favorite educator you ever came in contact with. Just think about them for a second. Have that image pop in your mind. Then once you have that person, then think about, okay, what made that person or those folks the ones that stood out to you? So what made that one or two, two people stick out? And then I say to folks, okay. So tell me, and folks will start sharing. I I tell people all the time, no, it always starts with relationships. Usually it starts with something that had nothing to do about the class. It was like, hey, the way this person greeted me, no teacher had ever greeted me like that code in their class. Like I said, that's kind of in a nutshell what the module 
talks about. It's about how we build those relationships, but doing it in a very logical and operational way. So we have built-in resources where we look at, we have you look at your data, but we have you examine your data from a relationship lens. For these kids who you're like, oh, these are behavior issues. Okay. Who has relationships with them? Oh, so nobody has relationships with them. Maybe this is something we should reflect on and start kickstart. Yeah. I mean, that that's the kind of foundation I think that would support whenever we we encounter things like a pandemic and students feel connected to an adult, the strength of that relationship, I think, could probably be mapped to how uh, how they feel and how they feel about belonging. They said like that one of the number one things to for kids to feel connected and to learn is to feel like they belong. Yeah. And I and I think we, you know, we all see the news and everything going on in the world and and for a lot of folks who aren't traditional educators, kind of hard to understand. It's like, no, kids just need to learn about English and math and, and history <laughs> and science. Like, you know, but but then when you even ask those folks, OK, tell me about the teachers who were so impactful to you. What made you care? Now, you know, some folks will say, oh, you know, my parents, they made sure I had that foundation. I couldn't get in trouble at school. True. OK. Not going to argue that a solid foundation at home does help. I think any educator will admit to that. But when I say what made those educators stand out, even the folks who, who harp on that, they'll start talking about relationships. So I think everybody gets it per se, but I think mm-hmm. sometimes with all the demands and everything that's going on, it gets lost in the, in the background. So that's why I'm excited about the module. And I'm excited about that professional development because folks are really connecting with it and vibing and, you know, gives you resources. You get that professional development. You get a a certificate at the end of it that you can turn in for in-service credit, you know, to to your your principal, your district. So it's it's just been a great um, experience. Thank you for sharing it. It sounds like something we definitely need now more than ever. And it's a good point that you raised that we naturally are going to connect to some people, but for everything else, having something to fall back on to figure out how to do that is helpful. I mean, I'm a student at heart and that would help me. Did you implement some of these strategies with your site when you were a principal? A lot of it just has come through the course of my career you know, trial by trial by fire, right? You do it with on a fly, you don't really kind of think about it. And then, you know, I'm a firm believer and I learn more from my mistakes. I'm very transparent about that. Thinking about, hey, what could I have done differently? How could I have made this connection or done this? And and I think one thing that we 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 focus on the PD too is when we talk about building relationships, if I care about you, I'm gonna figure out the best way to tell you what you need to hear not what you want to hear. Telling somebody what they need to hear, sometimes that might be a difficult conversation because if I actually care about you, I'm not going to lie to you. Especially in education, sometimes we talk about relationships. You hear people say it and then, well, if you really cared about me, you would have been honest with me. Now, you don't do it in a way to demean people, obviously, but you provide it in a space where push comes to shove. No one can say, hey, they had me walking out here looking foolish. Um, no one addressed that with me. And I think that's the key that we've all got to continue to strive for, but do it in a way where we're always respectful with not only just you know, our colleagues, but then also our students. 
Best Buy is committed to building brighter futures for teens through tech. With an extensive network of Best Buy teen tech centers, teens are provided safe after-school spaces where they can get hands-on experience with the latest technology in areas like programming, filmmaking, music production, and design. Best Buy has set a goal to support 100 teen tech center locations by 2025, expanding the program's reach to 30,000 teens each year. To find a Best Buy teen tech center near you, visit corporate.bestbuy.com slash social dash impact slash teen dash tech dash centers. So shifting gears a little bit, you're also an author. Can you talk a little bit about the I Want to Be series and how that came about? Sure. So the I Want to Be series is actually based off of uh, my son. My uh, son is, uh, you know, biracial. You know, I'm black. My wife is white. I tell people all the time, you know, when you become a parent, things change. You, you start looking at things real differently. You know, my son was born and he just recently turned three. So, you mm. know, little three-year-old. Obviously, you know, I'm an educator. Uh, you know, my wife's a social worker. Education and, and, a, and, a, and a strong foundation is very important to us. So reading, right? Um, we want to read to Hilton and practice things at home with him to, to help give him that foundation. And what I started noticing was we would go out to stores to look for books. I could just feel myself getting so frustrated because I couldn't find books that I felt identified with, with our family dynamic. And it brought me back to places and spaces that I was when I was a kid, questioning different things. Like, um, like I'm a huge comic book nerd. Mm. So I always question, like, I never see any comic book characters that really look like me. Like, I remember as a kid saying that. So then um, another random fun fact for your listeners, I can remember as a kid, if I found a black action figure, I would buy it. Like John Stewart, who's a Green Lantern, I'd buy it. Black Panther. And this is before the movies. You know, finding things like that, I just had a natural affinity for, right? So sure. all these things are going through my head. And my wife um, bought me for Father's Day a couple years ago, bought me one of those books where it's, I don't know if you've seen it before. It's like supposed to be like you, you kind of send in a picture and it's supposed to be you and your kid. Mm. And I'm looking at the book. And the first thing I said was like, yeah, that dude looks pretty good. Like, he don't look nothing like me. He ain't got these wrinkles. He don't look <laughs> tired like me and got black eyes. You know, I'm sitting here thinking like, well, baby, I appreciate the gesture, but I don't <laughs> feel a connection to this. So, so she was like, you know, um, you know, if you could do better, why don't you go write your own book? And you know, I was like, sure, I'm going in the kitchen right now and write my own book. And I tell folks that that was Honest to God, how it all started. I remember sitting down at the kitchen table and the ideas just started flooding. I want to be. What do I want to be? Well, I might want to be a lawyer. I might want to be a CEO. I might want to be a veterinarian. I remember as the, the ideas started running through my head, the occupations come from the fact that you don't see many people of color specifically mm -hmm. males in those roles. Because I often tell folks when they say, well, what made you write this book? Okay, without thinking hard, name five black lawyers that you know. Okay, if you don't actually know their names, name five experiences where you've seen five black male lawyers. Tell me five black male vets. Tell me five black CEOs. I mean, and it's funny when I do that to folks, how their faces get red. And it's not a, a matter of like trying to be, you know, confrontation. It's getting them to kind of, to see things, I think sometimes we, we don't 
look at different perspectives. Because in mm-hmm. the books, we very intentional about the vocabulary that we use, making sure that people understand what an internship is. Mm-hmm. You know, how many kids know what an internship is, let alone families. You know, when you talk about becoming a lawyer, how many people know that, no, it's not just going to college, getting a bachelor's. No, it's additional graduate school. Some of these occupations require licensure and getting different licenses to practice these fields or to do these things. It's, <laughs> it's sparking yeah. curiosity, which is a beautiful thing. And then the other piece too about it, when you see the books, um, you'll see pictures of my son. So he's the main character. Mm-hmm. So the books actually grow with him. So when you see the first couple of books, it's a picture of him when he was one. And then you notice that the artwork changes as he's become two and three. And, you know, as long as the ideas keep, you know, flushing in there, the, the artwork will grow with him just to, you know, to continue to inspire him. So hopefully when he gets older and he can kind of reflect on it, it will always, you know, just keep encouraging him what a gift that you've given him to track him with books and then share them with the world. I'm curious, you mentioned it, the images change as he grows. Does the content change to follow children as they start to read or improve their own vocabulary? What is the age group targeting? The age group targeted is pretty much from a toddler all the way up through elementary level. The artwork is geared hmm. towards the younger levels. And, and it's done because I think you know, as educator too, the earlier that I spark your curiosity and keep your curiosity, the more as you grow and develop, you're naturally going to want to seek out answers. You're naturally going to want to kind of figure it out. As As you can tell, as a former history teacher, I used to tell kids that like, hey, I don't really get into politics. No, listen, I just teach you the facts and I present it in a way where you come to understand. And I have and I have enough faith that when you just understand the facts and you ask questions, you're going to go exactly where you need to go. And that's kind of how we structured the books. And like I said, it's been it's been amazing to see people across the country reach out to me and connect about the books. You know, there was a school in Chicago that had reached out to me. And I was like, y'all reading these in Chicago? OK, cool. I mean, because it, it takes me back to that feeling of being frustrated that night I was sitting at home at the kitchen table, drafted it out to now just seeing how I, I took a, a negative emotion and, and turned it into a positive and just been amazing. I look forward to the day when we can find books like that easily. Um, look forward to hearing about the big news related to your books. Can you talk a little bit about your own educational journey? What, what was that like, your K-12 experience and um, what motivated you to be a teacher? My K-12 journey is interesting. Growing up, I did not want to be an educator. I, I tell people all the time, I, I wanted to run for the hills. Um, and I say <laughs> that because I have a lot of educators in my family. Mm-hmm. My mom was a, was a biology teacher, was a high school principal, you know, was an administrator. You know, uh, both my grandparents were, were teachers. I mean, I've got education just all around, me, right? I would tell people, not only do I know what it's like to be an educator, in front of people, I know what it's like behind the scenes. I know what it's like seeing someone stay up late grading. You know, I, I just I just remember as a kid, like, nope, don't want no parts of it. I think I was maybe, oh God, 16, 17. So, you know, I'm getting ready to what, you know, graduate high school, right? And um, we were at a store, my mom and I, and this lady walked up 
and you know kind of did you know a double take look in. it's just like oh my god it's miss woods so for you to say to her miss woods it's like oh you taking it way back when she taught you right and then um my mom had said oh my god it's, it's great seeing you honey and that was code word for my mom forgot your name. So she's like, oh, my God, honey, it's great seeing you. So I'm like, I think I'm standing behind her, Chuck. And I remember, I want to say I'm reaching for some cereal or something, you know, why, why she's, you know, talking to this, this lady and this lady's just, just giving her just all these compliments. Oh, my God, you changed my life. You were the best teacher I ever had. I remember leaning back to, to see this lady because, you know, my mom was kind of to my side. And the lady was looking in my direction, but at my mom. But I tell people the way she looked at my mom, I've like never seen that before. Like she was looking at my mom, like my mom was like a celebrity. Like, like this lady had this type of impact. And I remember that image was just burnt in my head because I'm like, because you were in her biology class. <laughs> I was like, I mean, but she was just so sweet and so so complimentary of my mom in my head I'm sitting here trying to, to fathom and I remember that was the spark that really kind of was like you know maybe I'll try this education thing out the Wallace Annenberg Gen Space is an innovative center for older adults to pursue creativity connection and lifelong learning for more information visit genspace.la Well, thank you. And you sort of have answered this, but I'll, I'll ask you anyway, what is your vision for public education? The vision um, is just that every, everybody has at least one positive experience. Yes. I, I'm a firm believer. Life is not about everything being peaches and cream. Everything is not going to go your way. I'm a, you will hit adversity, but every student, every person should be able to say, hey, there was that one person in school, for whatever reason, we click, even with all the, the other bad things, you know, that at least kept me afloat to finish. That sparked me into the career. That mm -hmm. helped me stop from making some of these other bad, bad decisions. That, to me, is the vision that I have for public education, that everybody can at least at some point say they had that connection somewhere because that lays the foundation for so many other things. Thank you for sharing that. Well, you know, we've covered a lot of ground. You're involved in a whole bunch of different things, including the Then Star, a writer, professional development, and the podcast. Can you talk a little bit about the podcast and then also just what's next for you? Sure. So the podcast is... Um, leading out the woods the podcast really kind of started from i guess those negative emotions before that i had going through grad school for a lot of us who go through grad school grad school is very tr traditional right a lot of writing a lot of you know there's a very um, straight structure that you follow and i remember having conversations with friends of mine saying i feel like my voice is getting lost in the shuffle i'm, I'm fitting into a box just to finish you know, just to get the degree to do it. And what it turned into a couple of years later was me being approached by a couple of folks to write a blog about my experiences and different things. And I was like, ah, I don't really have time to do a blog, even though I feel like I got time to do everything else. And um, I said, uh, they were like, well, why don't you do a podcast? 
And and I noticed like, hey, I, I really like this. Let me, let me kind of dive into it. So I started the podcast. It's really just really started just reflections that I had and my experiences. And then I had folks approach me and say, hey, would you think about having guest speakers? Sure. Guest speakers can help me reflect on something I'm going through, reflect on something, a topic they have. And then came a really big deal. And, and I say that with, with, with all humbleness, because some of the folks that we've had on the podcast, you know, Dr. Lavelle Brown, Dr. Michael Hines, Dr. Todd Whitaker, Darian Cockerell, who's just Missouri Teacher of the Year, Anthony Swan, who's just Virginia Teacher of the Year. It's been amazing because we've, we've made a space where anybody can just log onto the podcast and listen. It gives me goosebumps having been able to talk to them and fills my, my toolbox up with different strategies. So yeah, so the podcast has been great. I think, you know, it's, it's amazing to think it's already been two years doing the podcast, 60 plus episodes already. And I think great. we're booked for like the next four or five months. Um, so shout out to all the listeners who are now sharing the podcast, but most importantly saying, Hey, uh, Matt, here's somebody that would love to be on the podcast, or we've made this connection for you because you make my job so much easier. So I love y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you. And where can people find the podcast? What's the best way uh, to subscribe? You can find it anywhere. You, um, we're on Apple, what was it iHeartRadio, Google, Spotify, Amazon. You just type in Leading Out the Woods, or you go to my, um, my website, www.leadingoutthewoods.com. Great. Thank you. Um, and what are you reading, watching, or listening to that you'd like to share? What am I listening to and reading right now? Oh my goodness. I read so many different things. And I love to kind of go back and reread some classics because I think with fresh set of eyes perspectives. Right now, I'm, I'm re looking at again Dale Carnegie, How to Win um, Friends and Influence People. It's, it's, it's interesting, his perspective on things. And every time I've read that book, I think it's already been like 10 or 12 times. I always pick up something new and something kind of to think about. So that's the one off the top of my head. Um, as part of my role, I have to look at education, law, and policies a lot. So I love that stuff, but I know for the average person, they don't think it's that cool. So um, <laughs> I'm actually looking at Dr. Dayton's um, education law book. Um, okay. reading through just making sure I'm staying up to date on you know the different laws and, and policies that uh, continue to get revamped and yeah. and looked at all across the country so I can stay as sharp as possible so those right now are the the two biggies that are kind of like in front of me that I'm been flipping through got it thank you and is there anything else that you would like to share with the learner audience today no, well, I would just say thank you again for having me on here. It's been it's been great, um, great experience for all the educators listening out there. As always, you know, I don't think you all hear it enough, or we hear it enough. But I definitely appreciate you. Um, I see you. I just want to thank all the listeners on here. Um, you're doing amazing work. Um, it's much needed, and we appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, Matthew. It was a pleasure to learn about your work, and we look forward to hearing more about what's next. The Annenberg Learner Podcast joins the catalog of multimedia professional learning content to support educators teaching in more effective ways. Annenberg Learner is the education division of the Annenberg Foundation. Learner supports the foundation's mission to encourage the development of more effective ways to share ideas and knowledge. Go to learner.org or contact us at podcast at learner.org.